0: So before we really dive into things, I wanted to ask you two things. First one was, have you watched any of Ratchet?
1: <gasps> yes. Um, hang on, there's a squirrel on my b- bird feeder. Just to... Get, out. Ah. Get out. It's a new bird feeder. Um, yes, <laughs> I have. Uh, I watched the first episode, um, actually. Have you watched it?
0: I watched the first two. I'm curious to hear your opinion. My thought is it's beautiful. It's absolutely gorgeous in terms of costumes and colors and everything like that. The writing has its flares of, of pure beauty, um, but also is maybe, in terms of cohesion, a little bit lacking. It feels very um, later-season American Horror Story to me in that way. How about you?
1: It's very American Horror Story, uh, in a sense. It, it seems like it should have just been the American Horror Story <laughs> season this for season 10. Um, yeah, it's all... first For me, again, one episode in, uh, style over substance. Um, and frankly nurse ratchet after the first episode not that compelling of a character who i want to follow
0: kind of a jerk really i mean
1: yeah i mean i know she's the the bad guy in um one Floor of the cuckoo's nest but like give me a more of a reason besides her brother uh to uh root for her or be interested in her life or why she devolves into this evil person
0: yeah and the other thing i was going to ask you about is if you so did you watch the haunting of hill house
1: yes loved it
0: did you so the sequel is coming out October 9th, I want to say. The Haunting of Blind yeah, Manor.
1: Perfect timing. And they
0: just yeah, and they just dropped the uh, the f- like official preview for it, I think, earlier today. And it looks really good. I'm very excited.
1: I love it. Love it. Um, yeah, I'm super into that show. That was really good. It was a surprise because I hadn't really thought that that was going to be something that would be as good as it was. But it's Mike Flanagan who's done a lot of movies that I think are fantastic. So... Yeah, I'm I'm checking it out for sure.
0: Yeah. Me too. Okay. Um, Just wanted to cover those real quick, yeah. but uh we back to our real begin? show. <laughs>
1: yeah. Let's do it.
0: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to this American Horror Story, an unofficial show about American Horror Story. Yeah. Sorry, an unofficial sh- podcast about the FX hit show American Horror Story. I've never once blundered that You've never before. messed Amazing. that
1: up. <laughs> wow.
0: I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co host,
1: Chris Houston. Wow. That's never <sighs> happened. That was... In
0: That's never happened. Nine years
1: That's never happened. Wow.
0: Huh. Yeah. Wow. Well. That being said, we are thrilled to have you guys here for our season of rewatching American Horror Story Murder House. If you are just jumping in now, then uh, you should know that because there is no American Horror Story uh, season happening in 2020, we decided we were going to rewatch Murder House, which we never actually podcasted about, and kind of a review and really just kind of absorb the nostalgia around season one because it's uh, one of our favorites so we're really thrilled to have you here with us the response to episode one has been incredible we're so glad that um so many of you are watching along with us it's awesome
1: yep um honestly you guys are the best we have the best fans listeners audience you guys are incredible so thank you so much for spending your time with us
0: Absolutely. We really appreciate it. Of course, you can join us, uh, you know, uh, the community I would, the, the Amer- This American Horror Story community um, is pretty active on Facebook, certainly, at This American Horror Story. Um, and also uh, you can email us your thoughts and comments at Story at gmail.com. We try to respond to everything. Um, I think uh, I, I posted, I'm trying to remember if you, you saw these or not. Um, I went and looked up the two, kind of uh, shitty ginger kids from the season opener. I I went and looked up their current Instagrams, and it's pretty hilarious. I posted a couple of the photos on the comments of uh, our our Facebook post. Um, Let's just say they're still kind of shitty. It it appears. It appears.
1: They look exactly like they did back then, but just after hitting puberty.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Um, Okay. So before we dive into episode two, home invasion. Um, I've got to ask Chris, this is our tradition, what are you drinking this evening?
1: I'm sticking with what I had last week, but a different um, country of origin, Uh, but it's a Sauvignon Blanc. I believe it's from New Zealand. It was in the fridge. That's that's where I'm at. Grocery store trip is tomorrow. What about you? What are you drinking? (laughs)
0: Lovely. I'm drinking another Negroni tonight too. I almost bought apple cider at the grocery store this week, but I made myself hold off and I said, October 1st, that's when it's okay to buy apple cider. Then I'm going to be all in on my cider and bourbon tradition. So we'll be back to that. Don't worry.
1: I'll join you on that.
0: Uh, okay, so episode two, Home Invasion, is directed by Alfonso Gomez-Rejon, who uh, we Woo-hoo! know is a very consistent American horror story director. Uh, but this is his American horror story debut, really, which was kind of cool to look back on. Um, he's, I mean, in, when I think of him, I always think of him in terms of like pretty cool camera tricks. So I was kind of keeping an eye out for that. And I think the one that I enjoyed the most is there's a scene in which uh, Vivian is lying on the ground in a chair. And you get like a first person view as the guy is like pulling her back up. And so the camera goes from the floor up. And I thought that was very cool. Um, so yeah, that's that something I enjoyed.
1: I loved it too. I, I made a note of that as well. I just said, God, the camera angles or the perspective on that was pretty awesome. And that's mm-hmm. his, his episodes often stand out because of his uh, cinematography, I think. And it's, it's anytime you see him coming up in the title credits in the beginning, it's a good uh, time to pump your fist and be excited for what you're about to see.
0: Absolutely. So, um, And then, of course, Ryan Murphy and Brad Falchuk also wrote this episode. So they wrote the first two episodes of season one, um, which kind of makes sense, I suppose. I, I imagine they wrote the first probably three, even as they were pitching the show, you know, just to so everyone kind of knew what was happening. Um, take us back to 1968. What happened in this cold open?
1: So either we're at a house where a bunch of girls live or we are at a sorority house of some sort. But I think it's just maybe roommate situation, possibly. Uh, But college, because a lot of these women seem like they're, or two of them in particular, are nursing students, I believe. Um, A bunch of the other kind of cool girls are going out to go watch a Doors uh, concert.
0: The Hollywood Bowl, yeah.
1: At the Hollywood Bowl, which is fantastic. I even uh, no- noted that when we, f- the first shot we get of the um, episode is um, a bumper sticker that says, uh, oh God, what did it say? It said first, uh, uh, something oh. like, "If like Pat First Lady, I believe, and it's Pat Nixon, oh. um, <laughs> uh, which is just, I love the detail. Anyway, so we're at the house. We're at Murder House. um the three girls go to the show, and the other two girls, one is in her nursing outfit, the other one is studying her um, one of her books. Um, and we get uh, someone showing up at the door with a very fake injury look uh, uh, um, on his head, uh, asking to be let in because he's in trouble. Um, it really does look like someone just kind of like took a lipstick or a red pen and like colored on their forehead. Anyway, he lets him. Uh, they let him in to help fix him up. But lo and behold, they cannot find the two uh, who are there. They cannot find the actual injury where this blood is coming from. Dun dun dun. So eerie. Then that see, moment. Yeah, it's 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 the tensions there. It's it's well done. And and the two girls who stay you know we're they're they're set up so we like them you know they're not going out and being goofy and trying to get laid by morrison or whatever they're studying and they're going to be nurses which is a very noble career um anyway this guy uh bashes one the one kind the one who isn't in the nurses costume in the head with uh looks like an ashtray or something or mm-hmm. a dish some sort of pottery and um knocks her out and then the other one uh he kind of tackles uh, as she tries to run away Then we cut to the one The the um, brown haired one Waking up, the one that got bashed in the head And she is forced to strip And put on a nurse's uh, Outfit cost No, not costume, an outfit um, Which starts the beginning Of this episode's weird Themes of sexual um, Assaults And uh, Perversion And just stuff that just makes me feel icky and i don't like anytime you you see this in movies where people are said you know strip or do something when there's a bad guy in charge it's just altogether anyway she puts on the nurse's costume she gets hogtied um they have a conversation and uh do you remember the conversation
0: i know it's about religion is that right yeah Mm -hmm. i believe so yeah because because she's like Um, she's saying prayers and he's getting very upset that she's saying prayers which also kicks off another kind of theme i would say of the season which is just kind of the saved versus the damned and creatures from hell all that kind of stuff which obviously comes back to fruition later in apocalypse
1: right definitely and these two said that they are already saved um well, she, it, um, before I move on um, to what happens, she, oh, there's also a really great shot in here where the when she wakes up, there's a drip on her forehead coming from the, um, fl- uh, the floor above her, um, uh, which we get a call back to later, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you, Alfonso. <laughs> uh, anyway, she wakes up, um, they talk, she is hogtied, and he seems like he leaves her um, to go do something. But... As soon as we feel sort of safe, we, we get the scene cutting to him stabbing her in the back multiple times and murdering her. Right. We don't know at this point what's happened to the other person, the, the other nurse, uh, but we do know that that's what happens to our, the, the woman that we're primarily following. Right. Um, but that's not the end of it either. We do cut quickly over to um, Tate talking in a session with Ben, Dr. Harmon. Uh, again, very predatory sexual conversation about what Tate thinks about uh, when he masturbates, which is Violet. Ugh, yeah. Uh, and it's just icky. And I, I and it's one of those where it's almost pushing it too far for me where I'm like, I don't need this to be so outrageous to stir up, uh, provoke me to think something, you know. Mm-hmm. But... Um, it is showing the antagonistic relationship that Ben and Tate are developing and because Tate's forcing that to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but he does say also weirdly like jerking off uh, helps him forget the images that he is in therapy for. Right. That he has in his mind. Um, uh, anyway, so that so that happens and um, ultimately we get Ben uh, talking to mrs uh langdon who i don't think we know do we know that miss constance's last name is at this point i know we do by the end of it but i don't think
0: so i don't think we know so
1: he's on the phone saying mrs langdon we can't treat your son anymore because he's like this it's it's gone too far and ben keeps a pretty good like um uh uh, stone cold face um while he's dealing with tate saying these really awful things I think, um, it,
0: But I think even before this, before we cut to the credits, is when Hayden calls to say she's pregnant. And that's like the punctuation on that cold open.
1: Oh, okay. I thought that was right after that. Um,
0: but you're right. Maybe that was it. Uh, n- anyway. Uh, the, uh, I've got my storylines a little bit kind of woven because I've tried to cluster based on theme. But that, I remember that was like, yeah, that's definitely the very end of the uh, the cold open where we, we get that um, revelation. So a couple of quick notes that I just thought of as you kind of went through this. First thing mm-hmm. is, so we learn later that the the guy, you know, from nineteen sixty eight who knocks on the door, his name is R. Franklin. He's a serial killer. Um, this guy is. It's played by Jamie Harris, who's an actor who has been in things like the ser- uh, excuse me series of unfortunate events, Marvel Agents of Shield, and also apparently Rise of the Planet of the Apes. So he's kind of been in some other things before. Um, the other thing that I wanted to point out here that I thought was interesting um, when we jump to. Okay, when we jump back to the modern day, you know, you mentioned Tate kind of masturbating to avoid these these mm-hmm. visions he has. I mean, a little bit of a spoiler, so if, preparing for everybody, if, if you want to close yours, do so now. But it makes me think, is there, you know, are these thoughts he's having now, or are these memories that he can't scrub from his mind? And that's something I want to think about a little bit more now that we know where Tate's storyline goes, is looking back at okay, these early episodes, and it's like, is he being hot? Because... We know when Halloween comes, he he is very literally haunted by the the things he's done. And so is that's what's happening to him. I'm curious. Other thing I wanted to say is, okay, Hayden is pregnant now, right? She calls to say she's pregnant. It's supposed to have been six months since they moved to L.A. and Vivian walked in on uh, Ben and Hayden cheating. So obviously, if she's just now finding out she's pregnant, they have carried on their relationship Passed yeah, through through a, the oops. through the therapy through everything else, right?
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know if that's really from what I remember ever addressed. If it ever continued on, because he hasn't gone to Boston and doesn't seem like she's shown up in L.A. Um, maybe it's just an accident by the writers that forgot, or well, no, or...
0: it could have been right before he went because it's they moved to L.A. I think six months after she found him and that was the implication is that like there was that period so I think what the implication potentially is is that even while he was going to therapy or, or whatever with with oh. um, Vivian and apologizing to her you know about all this stuff he was maybe still carrying on in his affair which makes him that much more shitty
1: oh I see okay got it yeah I thought that cut it off and like the, she definitely does not look six months pregnant uh, <laughs> right when uh, we see her
0: right but, um yeah okay so interesting timeline question um good point now starting out in, in the episode we have obviously kind of this cool skateboarding scene in this underground pool it's empty feels a little bit dystopian violet is now friends with the girl that tate fucked up um who is still horrible she said something about a telling her parents that a cholo tried to steal her chanel bag so what a douche um But she says she looked into the devil's eyes. And I don't know if she's talking about Tate or the other creature or maybe all of them um, being associated with the house. It's kind of an interesting Mm -hmm. thought. we get more of that kind of religious imagery again here. Um, And then, of course, not long after that, we see Tate standing at the foot of Violet's bed as she's sleeping. And it's interesting because, you know, I don't know if I, in my memory... I knew Tate did terrible things, but I didn't remember him being so, like, sexually kind of perverted and and gross in the way you were talking about. Um, Yeah. I I mean, it's disturbing in that it seems like, I mean, Evan Peters does a good job of acting it out, but it it is disturbing.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely meant to provoke you as a viewer, and it, it sure did me, even though I, you know know kind of the whole storyline here i'm not i did not i wasn't sitting very comfortably during that
0: sure and then you know we have obviously at the beginning the alarm in the house going off ben running around with a bat which is pretty hilarious Addie again and again gets into the house this time she's in the basement playing ball with the monster that's down there and we have a very eerie scene when the ball rolls back after they go up the stairs um how is Addie getting in the house? Do we ever resolve this in your memory? <laughs> like, she just knows all the nooks and crannies I, in the open windows that she can slip through.
1: Maybe that. Maybe she's friends with some of the ghosts that like let her in. Yeah. You know. she's been around long enough that she knows pretty much all the ghosts in that in that house. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she does. She does get in pretty easily and without anybody noticing.
0: <laughs> right. Uh, not long after this, you know, Vivian is really she seems to be in a very, feeling a lot of anxiety. Not just because of everything that's going on with the house, but because she feels like there's something wrong with the pregnancy. We know from later, you know, that this is a, she's she's 40 or around 40 Her years old. Her intuition is right. It's a quote-unquote geriatric pregnancy, so there's issues. Um, she asks questions to Constance later about Addie and um, different kinds of issues you can have with an older pregnancy. Um, but something caught my eye here that... uh caught my ear, I guess, that Ben says and he he says, This baby is our salvation. Um, which is just another, you know, instance of them evoking this like religious imagery about what's happening in the house, you know what I mean? Um Mm -hmm. and of course knowing the implications that happen later, it kind of makes that quote that much more ominous, I would say. Um now, we see that Ben has his another new patient, only the second patient we've seen him have besides Tate. Uh, it's this this Bianca who has a vision of getting stuck in an elevator and getting her body chopped in half. Um, it ends up being a little bit prescient when we know later what happens to her because of, of Tate. But anything that you draw from this scene in terms of what her vision is or, like, uh,
1: uh, learning more about Ben? Um one of my big takeaways from this was frankly how i keep saying frankly how it was um filmed because you know we see her her dream that she's had 10 times i believe and her body gets cut in half and um the entire time we are not the entire time but a majority of the time we are in the therapy session with bianca and ben she's filmed with her legs prominently featured In the front, which I thought was really cool um, because she loses her legs and Ben references losing her legs. Um, I think what we mostly take away from this is Ben is realizing that there's a freak factor in the house about the house that, you know, that's what the big not reveal is. But, you know, he's trying to help her through her stuff and it seems like a regular session. And then she starts asking questions about the house and tells him that the house is on the murder tour of L.A., uh, and so he he starts getting a little you know like okay this is going beyond our our session um, but he's also a little frazzled maybe about what the house means because a lot of creepy things are happening he's not um, super comfortable there uh, anyway
0: well we know that um, what he knows up until this point they they obviously knew that the previous tenants. Uh, killed themselves in a murder suicide. So, or well, one killed mm-hmm. the other and killed himself. So they knew that, but they weren't aware of the previous murders even before that. Um, but obviously, they right. were also aware of the really horrible wallpaper images or murals that they pulled down too. So it's like the house is kind of becoming more and more. Uh, just it's amazing. Scary, I guess to me as I- they learn more about it.
1: Yeah, I guess it's amazing to me that they haven't heard about all the other murders that we're clearly going to find out, you know, throughout the rest of this season that have happened in this house. Right. Um, obviously, the opening, I think after this episode, we if you haven't watched American Horror Story yet, you'll kind of get the sense that all these cold opens are going to be other s- stories from different points in time where people lived in this house and they died. Um, and as far as the Harmons know, it's only the... Um, the uh, gay couple that uh, died before, right before them. Mm -hmm. Um, you think someone like Constance might mention a few other murders that happened there, but they've already bought the house. Uh, well, maybe, but maybe, anyway.
0: Yeah, maybe Constance isn't, doesn't have any interest in giving them more information than they need.
1: Yes. Uh, speaking
0: of what are her motives? Well, and speaking of which, we get a couple really good scenes with Constance here the one where she's cooking with Addie and she puts the Ipecac syrup and mm-hmm. the cupcakes and then she brings those over to Vivian. There's all sorts of really good lines from Constance. This is when we really get this character's like vibe. Um, like, the the writing is so good for her in this season, um, but a question I had for you is: Okay, Constance puts the Ipecac syrup in the cupcake, but she says she's bringing it over for Violet. Now it would make sense to me that she has like the sixth sense, obviously, that Vivian is pregnant. We don't; it's not we don't know for sure whether or not she knows what happened with Rubber Man, or whether she just does have an intuition for these things. But my thought here would be that she's trying to get Vivian to throw up for her to make it. For her to think that it's a normal pregnancy, because that's what Vivian says is missing from a pregnancy is not throwing up. But when she brings the cupcakes over, she says they're for Violet. Uh, right. What are your thoughts here? Am I missing something?
1: No, I, I thought about that too, and I believe that um, why she would want to give them to the Violet because, uh, is because, if you remember, um, Ben had the conversation with Mrs. Langdon saying she can no longer tre- he can no longer treat Tate. Um, because of violet i don't know if he said those words but um so i'm thinking if constance at the end of this episode we hear from moira tate and constance that ben needs to keep treating quote-unquote treating tate removing violet from the situation would allow ben to keep seeing tate because violet would be gone Uh, or she's punishing violet um uh, that's the only reason why i could see her going after her at this point because that's the only conversation that um really showed me anything of why she would have a a vendetta for violet Mm -hmm. and that's because violet and tate's relationship has crossed the line and ben won't be able to doesn't want to see tate anymore so maybe if she removes violet by making her super sick or killing her uh then tate will be able to continue to see Ben. Right. That's maybe shot in the dark.
0: It's a fair theory because it doesn't ever really become clear, at least not in this episode. Um, We also get some good backstory on Constance here when she's talking about that she's had four children. The only one that we know of as viewers at this point is Addie. Um, Mm -hmm. Now if you're just watching this for the first time, of course. Um, But she describes her cursed womb and kind of her children being so, being affronts to the gods, basically, because her and her husband were just so beautiful. And we really get the sense in this episode that we'll see throughout the season that just, Constance is just so vain. She talks, I mean, and we, we got a little bit last episode, too, when she kind of talked about the, Pure blood dogs and things like that. You know, she talks about her child being a model of physical perfection. Um, who got lost to other things? Maybe the implication is maybe mental imperfection. Um, we'll obviously learn more about that later. Um, we also get some good backstory on the relationship between Constance and Moira. We saw a little bit of it the episode before, but we hear Constance say, "I even employed her for a time now." We know that's you know for those of us spoiler for folks who haven't watched season one yet, those of us who know what's happening know that what Constance is hinting at here is that she actually lived in the murder house at a certain point, and of course that's when Moira was her uh, her maid. Um, mm-hmm. Now I'm going to stick with kind of the Vivian Violet story until, and, and we'll go kind of on a separate thread with Ben. But Vivian and Violet are watching... Well, Vivian's watching a movie alone. Her and Violet are kind of separate. Violet's kind of mad that she didn't tell her about the baby. And that's when the doorbell rings. Now, it's... We we are immediately a little... Get a little bit of chills here because it's a reproduction of what we saw in the cold open, obviously. There's a head wound. Um, but this girl can't even come up with an excuse of how she was hurt. Uh, yeah, so, come on. So at least Vivian, I mean... Is, is smart enough not to open the door. I do appreciate that about the character, that in some horror movies she would Very, just still open yeah. the door, you know? But it's too bad anyway. 60s
1: versus the... Yeah, it was 60s versus the 2000s. She's like, uh, no. Yeah,
0: but they're already inside. They've already taken everyone's phones, and that's when they get captured. Um, that's when we find out that Bianca was not... Maybe... I mean, clearly she is mentally ill, but not mentally ill in the way she represented herself. She was more casing the house for this tribute to R. Franklin. Um but luckily mm-hmm. for Violet and Vivian, Tate is in the house to help. We don't know as viewers why he's in the house at this point in time, but that's what's happening um, but he needs something to be he needs someone to be brought into the basement is what it's implied for him to have like really unleash his powers um Addie's also in the house, so I mean it's uh it's a full house at this point in time there's a lot of people it's knowing a what's full going house. on. <laughs>
1: Um, uh, and no one calls the police. All right.
0: I mean, luckily for everybody, uh, Bianca is an idiot, needs the Ipecac cupcake. So she goes, <laughs> that was... although funny enough, Vivian and Constance eat half the cupcake and we never see anything happen to them. So maybe a half dose was not enough. But, uh, yeah. you know, conveniently, she's off in the bathroom and, and Tate's there with an axe to have her, which is is really uh, what her, her real or, or imagined vision was from her. Uh, sessions with Ben. Meanwhile, Violet leads the third girl down or the the, the second girl down to Tate who's in the basement who um, brings back Gladys, um, who we know is the one who was drowned in the bath for her her revenge moment. And finally upstairs on the main landing, Vivian knocks out the guy um, the one male with the eBay bowl that they they found in tribute to the R. Franklin and uh, he follows Gladys into the basement where he finds, That other girl with her throat slashed and um, is also killed, I guess, in an act of revenge by those spirits. And so, you know, not all the spirits in the house are bad, I think is what we learn here.
1: Right, right. Um,
0: But also kind of a fun, you know, reenactment scene. It's a little bit nice to see the bad guys come come up and so it's enjoyable.
1: Yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'm a huge sucker for home invasion horror movies to begin with, like The Strangers or um, I, I guess the first one of the um, The Purge movies is, is, is a home invasion movie. The others are a little sort of like that, but a little different, but um, I love them. So this is a very quick condensed version of one where the <laughs> murderers are idiots. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, they are.
0: They're real dummies, which makes it enjoyable to see them <laughs>
1: yeah but yeah. it was really awesome to see uh vivian and violet uh kind of bond together go through something somewhat dramatic uh and get out of it and have some, come out on the other end of it with a stronger relationship mm-hmm.
0: absolutely um and obviously both of them get a better grasp for like
1: something's up with this house at this point in time too yeah um no- also go ahead just before we move on from that like i mentioned it earlier but the way a lot of the scenes were shot in this mirror what we saw in the opening the cold open mm-hmm. uh, which is amazing um vivian has uh, drops on her forehead just like uh the one uh nurse Mer- maria yeah mm-hmm. maria thank you maria and gladys mm-hmm. i think was the other one um, and we also see there's a really fantastic shot where um, I think Vivian, she's she, after she tells Violet to go upstairs, close the door, call the police, she zooms back downstairs and we the camera goes with her and then zooms right out through the peephole and sees nothing out there. And then the guy appears in the back. It was just a really cool shot, so I loved it.
0: Yeah, it's, it's very um, intentionally... Uh, just like anxiety inducing camera angles and, and tricks and stuff that I, I think are very effective.
1: It made up for the kind of cheesy 2000 aughts uh, vibe that the the pool skateboarding scene <laughs> evoked in, in imagery that I, of, of a music video, and that I thought was very Avril Lavigne or something.
0: <laughs> it does kind of have that. I don't really even. That, that, that little scene at the beginning there almost seems not even necessary. Um, yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's now talk about Ben, who you know is my lesser of the two uh, storylines in this episode. Um, you know, he he's once again on a run, getting horny on his run, thinking of I think it's I think he's thinking of Hayden as he's running. We don't see, we just see like flashes yeah. of leg. Um, and he starts crying, and of course Larry's there always conveniently to like approach him on his runs. Um, now Larry's been trying to tell Ben that it's the house that's making him crazy, but Ben is, for whatever reason, insisting mm-hmm. that it's his own guilt talking in his head, not the house. Um, I guess, And I guess that makes sense if Ben is a psychiatrist. He doesn't want to think he's succumbing to any kind of, I don't know, mental disturbance or something along those lines. Um, but for some reason... And as we know from future episodes this comes back to bite him, he confides in Larry about Hayden. Um, and, and you get this the line from, from Dennis O'Hare here where he talks about like, well, I might have murdered my entire family, but I was never unfaithful. Like he's such a, a saint for, for that.
1: Like you got to pick and choose what you're like self-righteous about, what the moral standard is. All right. Dude. Right,
0: right. Uh, but Larry is apparently the voice of reason here and convinces Ben he needs to go talk to Hayden so she doesn't come to Los Angeles. Uh, so Ben does. And he, you know, we have the little bit... Uh, beat us over the head with a line from Vivian. It's, you know, you're a good man, Ben Harmon. Um, he he returns to Boston and, you know, there, it's a no phone rule, even though uh, Kate Mara, who plays Hayden, is, is clearly uh, a little bit volatile. Uh, we get that impression with the way she responds to the way kind of Ben is handling his phone here a little bit. Um, she goes from saying she's completely over him to all I ever wanted was for you to love me. So her emotions are kind of all over the place, but maybe we forgive her a little bit because clearly she's pregnant. She's a student. Her teacher impregnated her. I mean, yeah. really Ben's the one at fault. I think we can all agree.
1: Yeah, I mean, she, she, yeah, she even, it's in a very Ryan Murphy piece of dialogue. She says, I'm textbook. Like, like I'm such a cliche type of a thing because it is a cliche textbook um, situation. Yeah. Um, but I do feel bad for her. Yes. You know, Ben is a pos- position of power, manipulated her most likely slept with her awful, awful, awful. Um, and she, although she's not like, I, you know, do you remember being in your early twenties and, you know, the falling super head over heels for someone? And then imagine like being pregnant on top of that. Imagine knowing you're choosing the wrong person, but falling in love with them. And then them leaving you that i mean she's going through a lot so for sure i think he did do the right thing by going there for her sake now for his family's sake that's probably the wrong thing to do but i do feel bad for um hayden and and i would hope she would have some more people in her life besides Ben. but maybe no one knows because she wanted to keep it a secret anyway that being said shady position for anyone to be in and Ben doesn't have a win in any of this because he made a shitty decision earlier on, right?
0: And then we get the implication that after she, you know, he tells her he's going to be there after she comes out of the clinic, and he checks his phone. Thirteen missed calls, and we get the impression he left right away. Um, yeah, and that's when he, he he goes back. Next thing we see him is back in L.A. Uh, the te- the detectives that are there show him a picture of Bianca, um, and they talk about how she, you know her body was found a few miles away, I think, from the house, and they say like bifurcated right and they say something like that maybe her partners try to do a black dahlia on her i think don't we have an episode later in the season that has a black dahlia reference we
1: sure do and i believe it's with mina savari
0: yeah so that's maybe a little bit of a foreshadowing situation um but then of course you know we have another thing that happens here in which violet now um, is kind of reconciled with tate because he for whatever reason the fact that he was there he saved her Um, also we have Violet and Vivian having bonded because they went through this horrible stuff and Violet in particular feels a lot of animosity toward Ben for not having been there Um, and Vivian seems like maybe she's accepting of it a little bit but she wants out of the house that's that's kind of the final note is like we're selling this house
1: I remember watching this the first season when it came out and at this point when she says we're selling this house I was like fuck yeah good Story's over. That finally, someone does a smart thing in a horror show, and or film, and says, "Yep, we're out of here. Selling this house. Goodbye."
0: We've got a couple of times Vivian defying conventions with her uh, horror conventions with her not opening the door, and with her not selling the house. Now, of course, those she's of us great. those of us who've seen the season know it doesn't end up helping her out at all. But you know, she's she's a little but bit more savvy. Smart. Exactly, exactly. She's
1: she's probably one of my favorite characters now that we're rewatching this. Um, throughout all of the, you know, later on we get the campier kind of more caricatures, but she seems like a very smart, real woman who makes good choices uh, and puts her family first. And it's just like a really, she's a great character. And Connie Britton's just like kills it. fantastic actress lover. For sure.
0: Now the two bullets that I did not include in the rest that I wanted to make sure we called out um, was of course the scene, the scene back at Constance's house where Addie comes to tell Constance about the intruders. This is when Constance has, oh, yeah. has the model-slash-prostitute. <laughs> yeah. um, and then, you know, we really... Her business meeting. <laughs> her her <laughs> business meeting. And then she puts Addie in the bad girl closet, which was just full of mirrors, and it just makes you realize, like, how... I mean, even though the, Constance makes it so clear how much she cares about her children, she's also very cruel. It's horribly cruel. Yeah,
1: it's, I mean, and we can't not acknowledge that it's quite the Carrie reference, Stephen King, uh, where Carrie got put in her closet. Her mother would put her in her closet when she was being, in, when she was in trouble.
0: I also think of just the Chokey from Matilda. <laughs> Although this, there's nothing. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or Harry Potter. But, but, but anyway, this one's a lot more, like. Depressing and I think
0: something sad. about the mirrors is even more sad. I totally, Evil. yeah, I agree. Um, and her screams, oof. oh yeah, and then she like she goes back in because they haven't even done it yet. But I, the implication is that she doesn't like they they screw with the screams in the background, so that's kind of gross. But Constance does end up going back over to the house to find out what happened, along with Tate and Mora, to take care of the bodies. We learn in this instance that these three characters have some kind of connection. We already knew. That Moira and Constance did, but we didn't know how Tate played into it. So there's a little bit of a question mark for people who are watching through the first time, right? Um, and you, you said this line before, Pieces yeah. We have to get rid of the bodies if we want to keep if we want him to keep treating me. So there's something about Ben treating Tate that is important. We don't know what that is yet, um, and I honestly don't even remember really what it is. Um, how that particular thing plays into the rest. So it'll be interesting to see.
1: Right. We know kind of what the implications are like years down the road. But I also kind of forget right now, like what the motivation is here, what what their plan is. Um, But we do get to see that that they're actually kind of working together, which we had not seen before.
0: Right. Right. Um, And that's I mean, that's really the kind of culmination of the home invasion episode. So any final thoughts you have or anything before we give
1: it a rating? uh no i loved it i I think this is a great episode Uh, it started off a little icky but i think uh, in the end it kind of um laid out what's gonna keep happening but also gives us really strong characters which i'm loving this season because i miss these types of characters so yeah um were we doing rubbermen yes yes i feel like we did rubbermen for asylum anyway um I give this episode 4.5 Rubberman.
0: That's a good score. I gave the episode last week the pilot a 5. Um, and this is another really solid episode. We get a lot more character development and backstory, um, especially around Constance, I think, is, is really strong. Um, not only do we get some incredible lines from her, but just diving in more to you know her background of kids and like understanding her obsession with you know, flawless human perfection um, is really interesting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like I said, something that definitely sticks out more in this rewatch than I thought it before is just like, what a shit Ben was when we think about, and especially kind of recognizing that, you know, now maybe he he carried on his affair past when Vivian even caught them just kind of implicates him all that much more. Mm-hmm. And he's so quick to play victim with, with Vivian or just like When he's on his runs and just crying, it's like, dude, you did this to yourself. I mean, clearly, it's almost like he he has a sex addiction or something like that, that he, he just can't help. For some reason, on a run, like exercising is when he can't keep sex thoughts out of his mind. It's like...
1: (laughs) <laughs> well I think I mean I think I don't think he was like horny I, I took it as he was having flashbacks of like his guilt and his grief over like what he's done and he can't get it out of his head so he's like so caught up in uh, that's fair fucked up yeah no,
0: now he knows she's pregnant obviously and so we know that You know, him not staying through to see, you know, her after the abortion is going to have implications. So there's a lot happening there. And Mm -hmm. um, I do really love kind of the opening scene with the nurses and then flashing forward to the same situation happening where they're trying to, you know, have an homage to R. Franklin. Um, Although, man, these these particular home invaders are such idiots. Um, It's like, it does make (laughs) you wonder how they even pulled off getting inside the house and getting everybody tied up um, but it is so satisfying to see them
1: like why did they even why did they even have to try the front door when they clearly snuck in another way
0: did you ever watch when you were younger the movie three ninjas
1: oh yeah I loved it totally yeah so
0: this reminds so three ninjas for those of you who are probably a lot younger than us was like that movie probably came out in the late 90s once you guess um, and it's basically about these
1: oh early mid earlier mid for sure Yeah, and because they were three ninjas three ninjas kick back and three ninjas knuckle up <laughs> and it was these three trust i've seen them yeah all. it was
0: like these three white kids that are trained to become ninjas by their grandfather um but the whole thing i mean it's, it's a very home alone-esque vibe where they're just like fighting morons which is what i mean this it almost yeah. has like a little bit of a three ninjas home alone-esque uh, <laughs> vibe
1: to me like they're kicking the crap eight-year-olds are kicking the crap out of like grown man <laughs>
0: exactly but it's very entertaining yeah. yeah you're right so man I, I think that I am going to agree with you and give it a four and a half to me the pilot was was pitch perfect this um, it was also a very Stop. strong episode yes but it didn't hit for me at the same uh, to the same degree that the pilot did uh, but man that's still an A from us
1: that's good yeah. like 9 out of 10 that's good yeah
0: that's really solid I mean so far, season is holding up, I would say. Um, I'm still curious to see if it hangs together through all 12 episodes. We have more episodes in this season than normal, so that'll be a lot of fun. Um, I, I don't know if it's next week or the week. No, no, I think it's two weeks from now we dive into the Halloween episode. Uh, the Hall- there's two Halloween episodes, if you remember. It's part one and part two, so that'll be kind of fun. Um, awesome. I, I think next next episode is the one that's actually titled murder house which might be the one where we get the pig man i don't remember but if it is i'm I'm very much looking forward to it so
1: yeah um um last things real quick that i just thought of kate mara like she's great in this i cannot not see her as zoe from house of cards yes i believe her name was zoe in house of cards
0: yes i think you're right i think you're right
1: Which is a fun memory for anyone who doesn't know. Tyler and I, for a hot minute, did a podcast on House of Cards.
0: We did when it first came out. Well, so we did a podcast on a a few different shows. Um, And, and, you know, American Horror Story is the one that really just kind of found its place. So thanks to all of you um, for that.
1: Um, my other question is for you. I, I forgot to mention this during the cold open. Um, do you know what movie was playing in the background? I tried to search and figure it out, but I could not figure it out.
0: I actually wrote down that question for you as well. I even tried to search some of the quotes and all I could find was it being quoted for American Same. Horror Story. <laughs> so I'm wondering if it's a real movie Listeners. or if it's a, a, you know something that they patched together. So if someone actually knows what that movie is, please let us know because I wanted to please. I wanted to dive in and see what the plot Me of too. it was. So if we could get some more.
1: Yes. References that. Yeah, Same here. Um, I did like that they cool. played
0: the the Age of Aquarius song though at the beginning too. We didn't mention that, so it was yeah. like really really putting us in like a period mood where I think we some of the flashbacks we definitely get a vibe of of uh, what the time was, uh, and that's something that carries throughout future seasons of the show as well. So that, this is one of the first yep. instances of that, which is cool. Totally. All right. So between now and next week, que- uh, next week, Chris, where can people find you?
1: I am on Instagram and Twitter at Chris Husted, Chris with a K. Uh, how about you, Tyler?
0: You can find me on Twitter at TJMoss11. Uh, thanks so much for listening to you guys. As always, you can check us out on Facebook at This American Horror Story. You can email us at this American Horror Story at gmail.com. Um, And also, you know, if uh, you have an inclination to go and rate us and review us on uh, the Apple Podcast app or on Stitcher, that would be awesome. Um, We we always appreciate it. And um, I guess until next week, happy huntings.